Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Spartan Mindset with Reed and Chad. Today, we're going to chat a little bit about one of our favorite topics, resiliency. Probably one of the most important characteristics that someone can have. Uh, we see it. We see it a lot. It's kind of the bounce back ability. Uh, that's all one word, by the way. I think Reed, right? It's one, yeah. Bounce back ability. It's we're trademarking that. Yeah. Absolutely. Along with Yeti. Yes. So we love that word. We love what it, it implies. We love what it brings. It's fortitude. As men and women, we, we see resilience every day. And it's it's by far, again, probably one of the, the strongest attributes that, that you can have. Reed, tell us a little bit about what does resilience mean to you first? And then let's jump into the whys. If I were to ask what resilience was without reading any definitions, for me, it's not just the ability. It, it is the ability to bounce back, but it's a muscle. It's something that's trainable. It's something we need to work on. And then it's also an adaptability. Sometimes there is no bouncing back. It is adapting through it. It's that whole concept Jocko Willing talks about, or, and, and David Goggins and others talk about, of, of embracing the sucker, getting comfortable being uncomfortable, because that adaptation is allowing us to grow and get better, just like when you train the muscles. And you put the muscles, an overload of weight on the muscles, they adapt and get stronger. Resilience, sometimes you just have to deal with adversity. You can't go around it. You can't bounce back from it. You can't walk away from it. You got to get through it. And that's, for me, that's kind of like what all of, that all of those pieces encompass resilience. Yes, I completely agree. You know, it's funny how you, you said you just have to get through it. I was having a conversation. I have a nine-year-old, uh, my favorite human, and he heard some information he didn't like trying to get ready for school, heard some info he wasn't into, Takes puts himself by himself in his room, hangs out. So I go in and talk to him. Hey, buddy, we got to get ready for school. I'm not doing that. All right, well, look, I know you heard something you don't like, but sometimes you just have to continue to do what you need to do, even though you're not in a good headspace for it. You have to get your stuff done so we can get ready to go. And he, he understood that, but he wasn't ready to move. So I left him with, you know, the fatherly parting knowledge. And I said, when you know something needs to be fixed, you need to fix that. Because if you don't, the universe is going to fix it for you. And it's never going to end well. I love it. I love it. Do you notice that she had a little mic switch right there? That's resilience right there. I, I innovated on how we could get some of the reverb out by muting yeah. our mics. So let me bring your mic back. Look at that. Now we can both talk. Well, that's great. Thanks. I am part of this. I do like that. For everyone that can't see us, at one point, Reed had his mic right up against his tonsils so yes. he could he could talk. It was actually a little uncomfortable. Uh, well, I was, I was channeling my, my were, uh, what is it, German death metal? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so back to your nine-year-old. So so after you said that to him, what was his response? He didn't, he sat, he didn't make, he didn't make a choice, right? I tell him all the time that human beings are, we're superheroes and, and, and our superpower is choice. And he chose to just sit in his room until it was time to go. And then it was time to go. And the universe, a.k.a. dad, let him know that time was up. He left the house as is. He he left the house. Just grab your backpack. We're leaving. Sorry you missed breakfast. That's on you. You know, so the universe fixed it for him. He definitely learned, you know, on the way to school. He's like, I get it. I understand. And I think that was pretty cool. You know, I'm, I, I work so hard with him to get him to express his, his feelings. Usually you, you see that a lot with you know, sons and mothers, right? They're, they're a lot more open with that. And he's very open with his mom. And I love that. And I appreciate that. She is a phenomenal co-parent. Absolutely. We talk a lot. We communicate very well about that. But he is starting to open up more to me. And it's something I'm really grateful for. Right? I'm trying to train him 
to be comfortable in something it took me you know, 40 years to figure out. Um, and he's starting to get it. He really is. It's just a cool, it's a cool way to watch, a cool way to see that, right? Uh, cool way to see the world through a nine-year-old's eyes that is figuring out that it's okay to feel a certain way. And, and imagine if we could do that as adults. Yeah. You know, think about that as a man, right? You're just like, you know what? I feel this way and it's fine. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Well, we talk a lot about emotional fitness. That's that is emotional fitness. That's a piece of it. And and it is. And how is that a piece of resilience? Well, being aware of how you feel in certain situations and knowing that you're in control of how you you're in control of those feelings. You can choose to be upset, sad, or defeated, or you can choose to be inspired, empowered, elevated to attack a situation. That as a nine year old to be able to control your emotions or at least know what they are and say what they are is huge because I think it's a piece of the puzzle with resilience. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, don't get me wrong, right? I mean, he's a nine-year-old boy. His favorite word is fart. I mean, yeah, right. We're both, uh, it's kind of, it's still uh, kind of funny, so, right? Yeah. You know, every guy that's listening to this is kind of like, huh. uh, yeah. he said fart. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he is a boy, right? But he's not going to be a boy forever. Just like we're in a place, if you think about it, right? We're even, even in your middle years, you're always someone's son. You're always, you're always, there's always someone that is there to teach you, right? Until you're in the grandparent role, right? And then you've got generations. So there's always something to learn, something to grow from, and something to instill in others. And Simon Sinek is, is excellent. I love, love him so much, right? And one of my favorite things that he's saying is he's like, you know, you go to the bookstore and there's a whole section on self-help. But there's no section on help others. And what's funny is we spend so much time in our culture working toward individualization, working towards I can do this. I don't need, I don't need, even me, right? I'm like, I'm looking for someone in my life that has no need for me, but wants me there. Well, okay. Is that a healthy way to look at it? Maybe, right? That's, that's what I think. But I also, there's a point when, when need isn't bad, right? We're, we're, we're creatures that need each other and we do right? We need that bond. It's it's how we grow. And it helps reinforce resiliency. Yes. It does, right? It gives us the courage to put ourselves out there. So I don't know, everybody has a different look and a different take on things. But I think all in all, you know, resiliency is really one of the most powerful. I mean, you, you love to say everything's a muscle, right? You can somehow relate everything to a muscle, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. Like you have all these muscles. And but, the farts. I relate everything to farts. Yeah, yeah. clearly. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about a powerful muscle, right? There it is. It's, for me, when I look at the Spartan mindset, it is one of the core tenets of it. So the four values that my son Cameron and I actually worked on, and I think Cooper and Julia, my other two kids, contributed a little bit, but my son Cameron and I doing all the lifting, we started talking about what it meant to be a Spartan because people are going to ask, what's the Spartan mindset? And so the four values that we came up with that we thought really lended to that mindset were focus, respect, grit, discipline, and they spell out forged. So you're, you know, it's a forged mindset, right? The reason we picked grit and, and not resilience for the R is because resilience is part of grit. You know, a lot of people tend to say that resilience is part of grit. So we we're like, okay, we'll put it in there. But it is really a huge piece of the puzzle because you can't really forge a Spartan method unless you're willing to adapt, innovate, bounce back. And did you get that from a lot of the Angela Duckworth? work of course Angela Duckworth yeah. grit yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Angela Duckworth Brene Brown talks about vulnerability I mean right. we were talking about books yeah. in the first episode like goodness gracious yeah 
Yeah. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Those are, I mean, those are the heavy hitters, right? And and those are the heavy hitters of us, right? I mean, obviously there was people that that had an inkling of what that looked like before them. And sometimes people build on other people's work, but, but let's be honest, right now, those are the main contributors and the main innovators to where we are now. Angela Duckworth, Carol Dweck, Brittany Brown, right? We see Brene those. Brown, Lewis Howes, Brittany yes. Bouchard. Yes, yes. Yeah, you start going through them. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, Tim Ferriss even, I, I, uh-huh. Some of Tim Ferriss's earlier work, especially, huge fan of. And and the nice thing is, is we we'll all we we'll all elaborate on each other's work. So we can talk about Angela Duckworth and grit. And then as you and I start to develop our own resilience, our own grit, and our own lifetime, we will take her work and we'll put our spin to it and make it ours. But isn't that the beautiful thing? Is that's not just us. It's not just you and me, right? It's not you and I. It's it's anyone that's listening. It's anyone that cares about how they want to feel different tomorrow. Yeah. It's anyone who wants to get a good night's sleep. And that's huge. The pressures of this world, human beings were not meant to be under these pressures, right? We're not, we're forged, right? That's a good way to put that. We're forged, right? We're, but we started out as something else. You know, our environment, the things, our choices, again, choice, like you mentioned before, choice, right? I mentioned that right before you, choice. Like, those are the things that are drivers. And to me, we decide what we're going to choose based on what's going to cause us the least amount of suffering. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not, right? And sometimes we choose suffering immediately. We choose a more immediate suffering because we're worried that, well, you know, if I don't make this choice now, what if I'm going to suffer more later? So sometimes they can be harried and it can be moved along faster than you need. Some people, some people make choices they think are rational and they make them as fast as possible just to get it done because they don't want to be uncomfortable. Sure. And is that a reaction or a response then? Right. Do you react or do you respond to uncertainty? You should respond, but most of us react. That's exactly Because it's right. a fear response. It's, yep. it's, again, being geeky, the amygdala, we're, we're going back to our lizard brain. So <laughs> The lizard brain. I love, I love that. Yeah. Yetis. We got yetis. We got lizards. We got yeah, everything on this show. Uh, you, were, you were saying, so it's interesting because we, my mind just went totally blank, which is really unusual for me. I don't me. know what's I, in that uh, glass. Uh, what do you have right there? <laughs> <It's weird. laughs> but not enough to make my mind go blank. You had said something that was making me think about that. Oh, the choice, the choice thing, right? So a lot of times... We, th- we think, oh, I'm not resilient or, oh, I can't bounce back from this or, oh, I can't accomplish this. You're making, like you said, you're making that choice to feel that way. You're making that choice and the language you're imprinting on the brain is creating a habit and it's how you'll interact with the world. And so you need to re- reframe and rewire that thought. It's not that you don't have resilience. Sometimes the choice is to stay in it for a little bit longer. Correct. To forge it. Yep. A little bit more. Sometimes the choice is to take a step back and be scientific about it, be logical about it and say, this isn't working and it's actually going to do long-term damage. So I am going to pull away and find a different path. And sometimes it's, wow, that really sucked and it kicked me in the teeth and that's time I bounce back. Yeah, I think you nailed that. And you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about another R, redundancy. Because to build resilience, we have to have a redundancy. We talked about the first episode, right? Where we got all geeky and we talked about the myelin sheath and how we do that, right? But the redundancy builds the pathways. So for me, say I'm, I'm coming out of a relationship and it's brutal. I can make the choice. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to move on. I'm going to do that. But I have to make that choice 52 times a day. I have to make that choice every time a thought comes into my mind. Resiliency isn't, isn't a gift. No, It is earned. And it's certainly part of the forged, right? And we build that in ourselves. A lot of it is how much do you love yourself, especially as men. We're not trained to love ourselves, right? My mom trained my, my brother and I to be codependent. She told us 
some crazy stuff. Like, I mean, can you imagine telling an eight-year-old or nine-year-old? So just so you know, your value is based on what the woman you're with says that your value is. A couple good ones, really good ones. How about how about this? Women don't enjoy sex. They do it as a favor to the man. My favorite is, here's my favorite, absolute favorite. So men, apparently men, only give love to get sex and women only give sex to get love. Wow. I mean, let's think about that for a second, right? It's determining your value. So those are those are concrete ideas that are put in your mind as a child. How do you overcome that? You talk about a series of failed relationships when you can't show up as yourself because you are trying to morph yourself into what they want. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people and it's funny because it's very few men that realize that they can just show up for themselves. And I, I feel like the happiest relationships I've seen are the ones that are the men are themselves. They're just and, and you know, the women, too. Right. They're they have some independence, but also their dependence on each other is supportive dependence. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, building that resilience. Yeah, those are those are tough because you've created a pathway in the brain at a very early age to have like some self-loathing or some doubt. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and, and you do, it devalues who you think you are as a person. It also devalues the, the relationship in general. Like it's really hard to, to see a relationship as valuable if you think that the other person is doing it for a certain reason, or if you're worried that you're only in a relationship for a certain reason. And, and funny thing, joking, uh, you know, joke, jokes, not aside here. My wife and I were just joking about that the other day. Uh, we were, we were kidding around and I said something and she's that like, she only has sex with you as a favor. No, she probably, no, she actually said something about, you know, being a whore dog or something like that. And I said, it's Wait, a, you or her, I'm, she you're my, said to me and oh, I said, okay. honey, it's a long game. I said, she said, you're being really nice to me. And she says, do you, you may want something. Don't you? I was like, honey, it's a long game. I've been working this long game for 20 years, man. I mean, <laughs> and we were joking. Do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the banter, right? Yeah. That's the good part. Right. Is that you're both into it. Right? And and like you said, we both, it took a long, it takes a long time. It's a lot of work, but you, and I don't have complete self-love. There are things that I still loathe about myself. There are, there are hangups I still struggle with that require my partner aim to remind me on a daily basis. No, you're fine. It's okay. You're, you're better than you picture yourself. You know, like somebody has to say, that's not the picture that I have that you have of yourself. However, the voice that should be, you said this earlier and it made me think of it, the voice that should be the, the kindest and loving, most loving to us should be ours. But it's not. It's usually the most abusive voice in our head. And sometimes it's nurture versus nature. Sometimes it's people have created that abusive voice by the way they've spoken to us in the world around us and they've put they've imprinted code on our brains with the words they've used. And sometimes it's our own brain just being so super critical. But all of that is code being written on the brain. And if the brain is a supercomputer and the body is the hardware, then the brain is actually, it has malware. Those negative thoughts, those negative words, it's malware. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. No, I agree. And for me, you know, I mentioned this before, the way to combat that is grace. Yes. You know, and, and again, I didn't learn that until a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, but it is, it's grace. It's okay. You know, and, and not saying that in any kind of religious way, right. You don't need to find Jesus to have that. What you need to find is just a hope that you're good enough. Right. So when I talk to guys, you have these conversations with regular guys, like what, why are we talking about this? Well, why aren't we? You know, why, why are we not talking about this? This is our kids. This is going to be a normal conversation for our kids. And if it's not, it's because their parents didn't train them to make this normal. 
Yeah. It's all good, right? It's all good stuff, especially if it's hard. So it's interesting. In in the world of, of teamwork dynamics and consulting, they say that whenever anybody says, oh, we don't have time to work on culture, we don't have time to work on values within our company, the answer usually is, is you can't afford not to work on that. That's the one thing you should work on. And it's the same thing in our lives. Oh, I, I can't afford to be vulnerable. I can't afford to talk about my feelings. I can't afford to, to focus on that stuff. I have too much going on. And again, no, that's the most important thing you should be doing is working on yourself. What we have, though, I think a lot of times going back to words, Spartan mindset, the concept of how powerful language is in our world and what it does our brain. We have people who have, we have situations that have corrupted words. So words like faith and hope and grace have been corrupted by a few outlying bad actors who have made those words almost negative. Like, oh, if you, you know, faith is a, uh, you know, faith is, it has nothing to do with religion. Faith is a belief in, in the fact that you, you right. can accomplish it. Hope yeah. is the same thing. And people say, oh, hope is a very dangerous thing. You know, and they talk about, you know, give the populace hope and they'll do anything you want if you're a dictator. We have to have hope in our world. If you don't have hope, then why are you doing what you're doing? And then the last one is grace. Grace has become, like you said, people have created this religious connotation behind it. And some of it have made it a negative process. Like, oh, I, I don't want grace. I don't want anything to do with that. It has nothing to do with those people or those situations. Grace is a natural human thing. And it's not just in humans. We've seen animals have grace. They talk about the capybara being one of the most graceful animals on the planet because it's just kind and gentle to everything it comes across. It's a rodent. It's a rat. And yet... It's more graceful than us sometimes. <laughs> well, of course, you know, we, we know who we are. We know what we are. We look at other people and we make assumptions. We make assumptions that they don't have our struggles. They don't go through what we go through. It's easier for them. Yeah. It's just not true. It's just not. People look at each other. And it's so funny. It's this cliche, right? Oh, look, at, look inside yourself. Like, you're a beautiful person. But uh, truly... Right. Here's the thing is we we focus on the things that we struggle with, not the things that we have struggled through. It is one of my favorite things. Saw it probably two and a half, three years ago as a sign. It's it's a grow through what you go through. I absolutely love that. That hit me so hard. It's like, all right, why can't I celebrate? Why can't I be part of that? It's a beautiful thing, I think, to to just be like, you know what, right now, at this moment, I'm okay. You know, and that's part of being present. And we're talking, that's pres- being present and in the present. That's another, that's another podcast. But it's true. Just right now, at this second, my needs are met and I'm okay. And you take a breath and you go. So one of the neat things about children, having worked around them for so many years, and you're working around them now with your educational right. tutoring business, uh, you Children have this natural grace towards themselves that gets kind of beaten out of them as they get older because of some of the negative voices that they create and some of the negative voices that we implant. Because a lot of times our kids' voice, inner voices, is really a mirror of our voice towards them. They right. they intake what we say. And <laughs> so if you watch a child trying something new, when they mess up, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a happy mistake. It's just like... Bob Ross. Oh, look at that happy mistake. I made a tree. Kids are like that. I was I was teaching a camp years ago and I was teaching the kids how to hit bending balls. And I'd post career had gotten really good at it because I just would that's all I do. I wouldn't do anything else. I just hit bending balls all day. And I'd learned two or three different techniques from two or three different people. And so I'm teaching the kids this technique. And I'm trying to hit the ball soccer. I'm trying to hit the ball outside the post and have it bend back in. And I'm explaining to them you want to do this and you want to hit here. And really in this particular 
tactic, you want to actually aim way wide of the goal and trust that the spin, the physics, the right. spin in the air will right. push the ball back in. And I'm trying to explain this to kids, and I'm like, I'm getting into the science, and I'm like, so I'm just got to trust that I'm going to hit it as hard as I can, and it's not going to go on frame, and I got to trust that the spin. If you don't trust it, you lose the spin. So I set one down, and I kick it, and I don't trust it. And right at impact, this ball goes 20 yards wide of the goal and, mm. you know, 60 yards in the air. I mean, I just bomb this it was so bad but my brain is like i can't do this in front of these kids i say i turn and go hand me another ball right away and i hand a ball and, and i didn't bark it at him i was like come on another ball like I'm, I'm excited i gotta do this again and i set the next one down and i hit it and i swear i've got it on video somewhere it's the most beautiful bending ball i've ever hit it's like starts at like three or four yards outside the goal and just comes right back in upper 90 i'll never be able to do it again in my life i'd never be able to do it in a game i was in a sterile lab situation with kids you know it was right. like and i turned to the kids and i'm feeling triumphant i'm like yeah and i said so what'd you learn? And some kid raises his hand. I go, yeah. And he goes, that if you miss it, hit it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's total grace. Like right there, that kid has total grace. Like, it's okay. I made a mistake. I'm going to grow through what I go through. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, when we, we bring these kids in for tutoring, and we, we have the growth mindset that we, we run in parallel with them because when they come in, there's shame involved. There's shame. They don't, they don't want to be there. They're embarrassed. They're behind, they're behind in their studies. And and, you know, I'll go into my, the passion and how I got into that another time. But you sit them down and we give them an assessment to see exactly where they fall. And these kids will sit there and be like, I am great at this. I kill this. This is I'm really good at this. And they'll tell you that. And when is and it's funny because when you hear an adult say that you think they're cocky. Maybe we just say that that's OK to say. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what we do. It's the monks talking about beginner's mind, right? And it that, is like that child's mind. Unlock the inner child. I I love it. Uh, the other, <laughs> you're talking about Carol Dweck and growth mindset and, and children. The other thing that a lot of people don't, there's a piece of her book that's missed and, and somebody introduced it to me and it changed my whole outlook. There's another piece of that puzzle. The research was that some kids, half of the children were told you work hard and the other half were told you're so smart. And the kids right. that were you're so smart, it becomes a fixed mindset. Like I'm born with this. I can't lose it. I can't change it. And then one day when they're challenged by something that they can't do, like a kid shows up at your learning center and they can't do math and they, they at one point could, their immediate thought is their fixed mindset is, I've lost this innate ability that was, you know, Harry Potter to me at birth and I can't get it back, you know, expect them intelligentsia and I can't get it back. Oh my gosh, I'm, a, I'm shamed, right? right. Yeah, well, exactly the right. shame is what's the next step is that shame is so deep that we will lie to the world and lie to ourselves to not feel that shame, which we shouldn't feel in the first place. And so the, the other part of the research was she had a plant outside the classroom. And for those kids who didn't do well on the very challenging quiz and came out, not only did they not do well on the quiz and then they were frustrated and they were upset and, 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 and potentially crying because they'd lost this intelligence they thought they had. But when the researcher planted outside as a normal adult just hanging out with them said, how'd you do? They lied. They lied and said they did well. Yeah. Almost every one of them. Not because children are liars, because we've ingrained in people that it's not okay to fail and it's not okay to admit you failed. And that's false. That's a fixed mindset. It is perfectly okay to fail. And it is perfectly okay to say, oops, I really screwed up, but... But I can grow through this and fix it. And like you said, I can grow through what I go through. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think we have some some really good ammo and some good stuff that we talked about today for the for some future episodes. I think um, you know we we had great conversation today, and I hope everybody got something what they need. I mean, the idea behind this is that there's a lot of good information passed just between two people having a conversation, uh, and hopefully that people can take something from it. Um, 
make their day a little better. And that's that's what our aim is. It is. And I'll leave you with this. For me, the Spartan mindset, it's forged. And the thing about forging a mindset is, especially when it comes to language, every word matters. <laughs>